following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Proverbs chapter 6, uh, verses 16 through 19. Proverbs is the left side of uh, the book of Psalms. No, right side of the book of Psalms. Sorry, Psalms, Proverbs. Yeah, got it. Good. All right, I had to go through that in my head. It's been a long week. Leave me alone. Um, we are talking about the six things that God hates, the seventh thing that's an abomination to him. Real encouraging series, if you want the truth. Um, super, super tough. Last week, we talked about the mount. And it would have been a disservice to just stop after one week because the Bible says so much about our mouths and about our tongues. Um, if you were not here last week, I'm going to catch you up in about two seconds. We talked about the five wrong uses of the tongue. Number one being dishonest, smooth talk. In other words, those of you who are good at flattery, like, you look so good today, you're lying. Two, uh, rumors and insults. Three, angry words, not angry birds. Four, Boasting and foolish jokes, and five, talking way too much. Be careful in this series to nudge your neighbor, because we are encouraging you to look in the mirror at yourself. Okay, so spouses or significant others or whoever you are here gathered with this morning, we're talking to you, not your spouse. Okay, well, we're kind of talking to your spouse. But you get the point, all right? So, this morning, what we want to look at is the five right uses of the tongue. Why are we talking about <clears throat> that? If you look at Proverbs chapter 6, uh, verse 16, here are the six things that the Lord hates. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Number one, haughty eyes. Two, there it is, a lying tongue or tongue. The hands that shed innocent blood. Number three, four, a heart that devises wicked plans. Five, feet that make haste to run to evil. Six, a false witness who breathes out lies. That's a really interesting one. Seven, the one who sows discord or does not promote unity among his brothers. The nice thing is that James tells us though we stumble in many, many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. No perfect people are gathered here this morning, right? I hope not. Okay. I'm in trouble. Uh, but James says, if we are able to brindle our tongue, we're able to brindle the whole body. Isn't that interesting? This small little rudder that's in your mouth, if you can get good control of it, you can have good control of the rest of your body. Lord Jesus, these are your words, not mine. You make it so easy to communicate, but it's so difficult to live out. Unless we have accepted your son as Messiah. I thank you for the fact that you've given us the gift of eternal life and the ability to have the Holy Spirit, who is a guide and a counselor, who gives us the ability to do things that we can't do on our own. Thank you for never leaving me or forsaking me. Thank you for never leaving your church or forsaking her. Thank you for being consistent and constant when I'm not. And thank you for showing us how we are to overcome these six things that get underneath your skin. The seventh one that you see as an abomination. We praise you just as Job did. 
that you give us the opportunity to know for sure that you are a helper and an aid and you're working for the good of all those who love you. Thanks so much for this word this morning. May it touch the people's hearts as much as it's touching mine. In your name, amen. Five beneficial uses of the tongue. That's where we're going to be at this morning. The five beneficial uses of the tongue. Number one, let's get right into it. Let's start talking about it. The lying tongue is something that can do great damage. But if you go the opposite direction and you use it beneficially, it is something that can give you much wisdom and essentially help you in your bodily state, emotional state, etc., etc., so on and so forth. The first thing that we should be doing with our mouths, if we are Christians who are concerned about reaching other people for the gospel of Jesus Christ, is giving wise counsel. Or what Proverbs chapter 10 says, as sound advice. Now, I am not seeking here for your opinions, because man's opinions are not always God's ways. When we talk about giving sound advice, we're talking about giving people the word of God. Where do I get the word of God? From the Bible, because it is the word of God. How do I know what the word of God says? Anyone? You read it. Okay? So, to give wise counsel is something that Proverbs declares happens when the lips of the righteous bring what is acceptable and spread that, or spread that knowledge from many counselors and consultations received from understanding God's word properly. All that to say, God's truth is greater than my opinion. And the question that I need to ask is the same question that you need to ask. Are you giving somebody your opinion or are you giving them the word of God? Now I'm not talking about telling them a Bible verse and telling them the reference and beating them over the head with it. You can use it in your everyday speech. You don't necessarily have to quote where it's coming from. But when somebody asks for counsel, you can use God's word and give that to them because you are in it and you're in the same fight that they're in. There are three wise counselors that everyone should have in order to give wise counsel. Three wise counselors that everyone should have in order to give wise counsel. You should have in your life, first and foremost, a Timothy. This is somebody who Paul had in his life. Paul loved Timothy. And Timothy was a young pastor who made a multitude of mistakes. And Paul had him in his life, and he says, Man, Timothy, I'm going to show you the ways of the word and of the truth. And Timothy was a younger one. And you should have somebody younger in your life that you're giving godly advice that you already learned. Those of us who are in our 30s or 40s, that'd be somebody maybe in their 20s, okay? Or a teenager. Or some of you who served at sports camp who are um, in, like, your teens, I watched you guys this week. You're speaking life into these little kids. And that's awesome. There was somebody younger than you. A Timothy. You should also have a Barnabas. One who's similar age that learns from each other. I think you should have somebody every single week to sit down and have breakfast with or lunch with or dinner depending on your work schedule. Some of you guys work first shifts, second shifts, and some of you guys work third shifts. You should have every week. Guys, you should have another guy in your life who's a Christian brother who you're sitting down with every single week and you're talking about things with. I have a guy in my life who sit down every single Wednesday and we talk about life and what's going on in our life. 
He's the same age as me. He's got kids like I got. And we talk about our kids and we talk about our spouses and we talk about the things that are going on in this world. You should have somebody like that. Girls, you should have another girl. Don't mix them up. Okay? Because what happens is relationships happen. Some of those are not healthy relationships. So girls, you should have another girl in your life that's at the same level. A Timothy, a Barnabas. And then the third thing, you should have a Paul. You should have somebody who's older that's in your life. I have five guys who speak into my life constantly. They're older. As a matter of fact, I just emailed them the other day. Because when it comes to preaching, I haven't been around for 40 or 50 years. I had a question for them. I, I sent them out an email and I said, hey, what do you guys do for baby dedications? I feel like I always screw that up. And one of them <laughs> responded back, you do. <laughs> and then he gave me a whole list of things that, you know, maybe these are some good ideas or some good counsel or some things to do next time that you guys dedicate children to the Lord, which we're planning on implementing. It's awesome to have somebody older in your life that's speaking into your life. Those of you guys or girls who are in the business world, you should have somebody who's maybe a mentor there. But it should be a spiritual mentor. Somebody who has confessed and believed that Jesus Christ is Lord. Somebody who calls themselves a Christian but also lives out the Christian faith. There should be somebody older in your life that you're letting speak into your life. The truths of scripture giving you wise counsel. There should be somebody who's the same age as you. Again, a brother or a sister. That's why we're called the church. Did you know that? Because we are a fellowship. You can't just come to know Jesus and say, that's it. I'm going to live in my house and I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to have my own devotional life and it's just going to be me and Jesus. No, it doesn't work like that. The Bible tells us you need people in your life. You need fellowship in your life. You need a Timothy and a Barnabas and a Paul. You need somebody who's younger, who's the same age, and who's older, who's giving wise counsel from Scripture. It goes back and forth. <clears throat> to give wise counsel. Without God's word, you can't give wise counsel. Only offer good advice, which is human wisdom. We know human wisdom falls short of God's word. Use discernment when seeking counsel. As Job says, Job 32, I love this passage of Scripture. Job says, the abundance in years may not be wise, nor may elders understand justice. And what he's saying is there's some people out there who are older who just want to throw around their opinions instead of giving the truth of God's word. It's so important for us to lean on scripture and use that in our everyday relationships with those who are older, those who are the same age, and those who are younger. <coughs> it's fascinating. I watched the little kids do this uh, this past week at sports camp. They give each other advice. Uh, the basketball players were in the gym, and they were playing basketball together. And there was two little kids, and they were standing there. And he says, you've got to bounce the ball like this. And the other little kid looked at him and goes, no, I listened to my coach. you got to bounce the ball like this. And they're going back and forth and back and forth. And the other kid looked at him, and he swatted the ball away. And he goes, you do it my way or nothing. <laughs> he said, we either follow the, tr the, the true coach or we follow ourselves. Right? Who are you listening to? Five beneficial uses of the tongue. First of all, give wise counsel from God's word. I should say from God's word. Two, to rebuke and reprove. This one's a hard one. Super, super tricky. <clears throat> to rebuke and reprove. <clears throat> Another way to phrase this in Proverbs chapter 15, 30, uh, 20, and 27 and 28, they talk about spiritual exhortation. To hear reproof is wise. The one whose ears listen to wisdom acquires understanding. But the one who hates reproof, the Bible says he dies. 
We become more godly when the wise correct the error of our ways when it is done in the right fashion. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Trustworthy are the bruises caused by the wounding of one who loves you. Deceitful is flattery of one who hates you. I'm reminded of a Barnabas, this, uh, excuse me, a Paul in my life. Before we ever started down the mentoring and coaching path, he looked at me right in the eyes. He said, Jordan, can I wound you and we still be friends? He said, I'm going to have to think about that for a while. He said, all right, come on. I came back. I said, I think so. I, th I think I'll be good. I'm a very insecure person, so, you know, I don't like to be wounded. Neither do you. Nobody does. And he says, if I re reproof and, and correct you, what will your attitude be? Will we still be friends? Will I still be able to tell you the truths of Scripture? I said, that's, that's an interesting conversation. The same should be with you guys in the relationships that you're forming, in the ways that you're using your mouth. Before you ever rebuke or reprove somebody, you should look at them, especially if they're a friend, and you should say, if I were to tell you something that would hurt you, would we still be friends? You should allow that person to respond properly. Because maybe you're not the right person to speak into that person's life. And maybe you need to utilize somebody else to come in and speak to them. That's happened in the ministry over and over again. I'm not the right person sometimes to speak into somebody's life. But there's other people who we can enlist that maybe have the right opportunity to do that. Four notes on rebuke. <clears throat> One. Rebuke, if you're going to rebuke somebody, the right ways to use the tongue is not to lie. The first form of rebuke has to come from a motive of love. And it goes back into the wrong way to use your tongue because we don't want to be flattering people. We want to tell them the truth and we need them to see that we're telling them the truth, right? If that person doesn't know that I love them and I care about them, the, the reproof or the rebuke that I give them is useless. There's no, love, there's no love there. It's useless. It's got to come from a heart of love. Where do you get your heart of love? From your relationship with Jesus Christ. Before I go rebuking somebody, i got to make sure my relationship with Jesus is on point and on track. If my relationship with Jesus isn't on point, then the way that I'm going to speak to that person is not going to be on point. And there's a lot of people in your jobs and in your, in your households, especially those of you who are married and raising kids, where you're going to look at it and you're going to say, no, 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 this is going to be motivated by love. No, 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 no. It's motivated by lack of sleep and you need a Snickers bar. <laughs> right? It's not love. You've got to check yourself at the door. Two, rebuke is always going to be remembered. If I were to ask you, give me the last four people who have told you something negative in your life, you would remember them just like that. I can tell you the last four people who spoke into my life, reproved me, whether it was good or bad, you remember it. Some of you remember it so far back as in your childhood. Some people spoke lies into your life. They used a lying tongue. They used their mouth improperly. And they spoke into your life, and you still remember it to this day. It's a catalyst for the way that you act. you got to get over that. Because the Bible tells us when reproof happens... We remember it, but we also check it with Scripture. So if I'm going to go and I'm going to rebuke somebody, the first thing is it's got to be motivated by love. The second thing is I've got to remember that they're going to remember what I'm about to tell them. For 
for the rest of their life they could remember what I'm about to tell them. Three, this is a form of building friendship where there's tension, there's growth. And so I have to understand that while I'm about to speak into somebody's life, this is going to either make or break our friendship. This is either going to ground us a little bit more than where we were, or it's going to divide us a little bit more. You see what I'm saying? This is a huge, huge thing, because the way we use our mouth is so huge. Look, i got to remember it comes from love. Then i got to remember that <clears throat> it's going to be remembered. And then i got to remember that it's a friendship thing, that I want to be in relationship with this person. Last thing, that it's the right intent. What is the intent of rebuke? That word. Rebuke and reproof. The intent is always to get the believer to come back into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. My goal and your goal should be if we rebuke and reproof one another, that our relationships with Jesus Christ be on point. I want you to live this way, not this way. I want you to see the joy that God has for you here, not the things that you are doing for yourself over here. It's huge. If you do that in your life, if you use your tongue to reproof and rebuke properly, that other person should come into a proper standing of who they are in Jesus Christ and what they're supposed to do to bring honor and glory to him. Why? Because the Christian life is two things. To evangelize to those who are lost and to edify or build up those who are saved. See where, see where we're at? <coughs> so if somebody sees me regroup a brother or sister in Christ, and they're not a believer, it should lead them into an understanding of the gospel, or if they are a brother or sister in Christ, it should build them up as well. Whoa, that person handled this so well. I can't believe that they rebuked that person and they were okay with it. That's a part of being in the family of God. Rebuke comes down to discernment and discretion. There's a right way and a right time when it comes to rebuke. God's not pleased and honored with criticism from anyone or everyone at any time. We do well to take note of that. <clears throat> Look at Proverbs chapter 25. Like apples in an old setting of silver is a word spoken in the right circumstances. Brother John... Is there a way that I can talk to you this week? It's about some things that are going on in your life specifically, and this has happened before. I know that there's a woman in your life who is not your wife who you have essentially become friends with. And I want to talk to you about that situation. Could there be a time where we can talk about that? Now that setting is done in a proper place. And it's also can be done in an improper place. Like if you were to stand up right now in church and say that to the person who's maybe in the front or behind you. Not a great place. Like apples and gold, apples and gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in the right circumstance. How do we know what the right circumstance is? We pray for discernment. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise recruiter to listen to. Five beneficial uses of the tongue. Give wise counsel. This is how to avoid the lying tongue, too, by the way. 
to reprove and rebuke, give spiritual exhortation, and to encourage. Man, if we could get something right as a church, this would be my big prayer for us as a family. That we would encourage, 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 encourage. And maybe it's because I'm a words person, but man, I go far when people encourage my heart. <clears throat> Encouragement is a sincere expression of gratitude. Again, not flattery. Given honestly to an other individual, usually in private, so that nobody else hears it. This could be a text message that's dropped. Right? You're not lying. You want that person to sincerely and genuinely know that you are encouraging them. You're not lying to them. You're encouraging them. But seldom do we give a timely word, which is delightful, Proverbs chapter 15, to gladden the heart. It takes ten positive comments to build somebody up. It takes one to tear them right back down. How many encouraging words did you say even this morning? And it's 11.15. How many encouraging words have you said this morning? Matter of fact, some of you drove to church and this is what happened. You got in the car and you're like, oh my goodness, how could you have forgotten X, Y, Z? And you were bickering in your car because I know, because I live in a vehicle, that's why Bethany and I take two different vehicles to church, we just learned. <laughs> and you show up to church and you get out the door and the greeters hit you and they shake your hand and they say, hey, thanks so much for being at Community Gospel Church this morning. It's such a pleasure and enjoy to see you. How are you? And you go, I'm great. <laughs> That's flattery. That's a lying tongue, right? <laughs> and you look at your spouse as you drop off your kid. You go, honey, you look so good today. <laughs> right? True encouragement, right? A daily checklist for encouragement. <clears throat> Is that, how's that? Have I encouraged my spouse before I ever left the door? Have I encouraged my kids before they ever left the door? Uh, Karine's going to go to kindergarten this year. Uh, we made it a point uh, in preschool to start the habit where I pray uh, with her in the, in the car before she goes through the front door. We just pray together, and then uh, I tell her uh, one or two things that I think she's just doing well at. I try to encourage her. And she, she's beaming. You know, I say, Karine, what's daddy do well? She doesn't say <laughs> For those of you who are students, your teachers or your mentors, <clears throat> they need encouragement too. Have you encouraged your coworkers, even the ones that you don't like? I tell the staff that here all the time. <laughs> what about your neighbors? So often what we do is we pull in the driveway and what do we do? We hit the garage door opener, the garage door opens, we pull our car and hit the garage door open, the garage door closes, right? I try to park my car in the road for that reason, so I have to talk to my neighbors. Hey, Brian, good to see you, man. You look good today. <laughs> Last Sunday, or two Sundays ago, we were wearing the same shirt. I said, great minds think alike. Encouragement to me and him. <laughs> every single day, every single week, every single month. Encourage, encourage, encourage. It's a biblical principle. It's a biblical principle. How are you encouraging other people? Encouragement is good. You have to be careful doing this a little too much, though, because then it cheapens it, all right? And it oftentimes can appear insincere. Just be careful with it. Encourage when you mean it and when it's needed. Charles Swindoll said, like an overly large gem on a ring, encouragement when overdone lacks elegance and charm. And people know when you're not being sincere, right? People know. How do I avoid having a lying tongue? I give wise counsel from God's word. I reproof and rebuke properly. I give words of encouragement, 
Fourth, I share the gospel. I share the gospel. <clears throat> this is so important. If there's anything that you should know backwards and forwards, it's the gospel. And the gospel is this. That Christ died according to the scriptures, 1 Timothy. And Christ rose again according to the scriptures. Go over to Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. That's it. That's the gospel. You should have a one-minute version of your testimony. You should have a five-minute version of your testimony. You should have a 30-minute version of your testimony. I like giving the 30-minute version. Because there's a lot of detail in there. But you should. You should always be prepared, as the Bible says, to give an answer for the hope that you profess. What's the hope I profess? The gospel of Jesus Christ. His life is to be lived two ways. First of all, to evangelize to those who are lost. Secondly, is to edify those who are saved. If you're around somebody who gives a very clear explanation of the gospel, it encourages your heart. Because they're using their mouth in a right manner. See that? A lot of times people say, Jordan, I don't know if I can give the gospel. I say, why not? Because I don't give the gospel. The more you do it, the easier it is to be done. There are so many benefits gained from the tongue of a godly teacher or person who is well-versed in scripture and can properly unpack God's word in a time of strife. There's been so many times where people have poured into my office and said, Jordan, I have a problem. There's a circumstance and a situation in my life. I feel like it's out of control. Things are all over the place. What do I do? I said, first thing, do you know the gospel of Jesus Christ? Huh? Do you know that Jesus died according to the scriptures? Jesus rose according to the scriptures. Confess in your mouth, believe in your heart, Jesus Christ the Lord, you'll be saved. Have you done that? Well, I go to church. Didn't ask you that. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is the foundation for all other situations and circumstances in life. Your ability to communicate the gospel, even to yourself in times of strife, is the catalyst for the change. There's a situation at work right now, Jordan. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen. You need to speak back the gospel into your life. Because when you understand the gospel, you know that God is in control of all things. He is working and moving, what Romans 8 says, for the good of those who love him. Because Jesus died on the cross for my sin and for your sin. Two questions. Do you know the gospel well? If you don't, you've got to memorize it. Christ died according to the scriptures. Christ rose again according to the scriptures. If you confess your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. Do you know the gospel? Well, two, are you sharing it on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis? Every two seconds, someone dies. Every two seconds, somebody dies. Every two seconds, somebody dies. Ushered into eternity, either in a relationship with Jesus Christ, whether it be forever connected with him, or in an eternal existence away from God's presence. Can you imagine? And I think when we get to heaven, God's going to look at us and he says, you had the opportunity to communicate the gospel to that person. You didn't do it. Why didn't you do it? Our answer would be, I don't know. I don't want to have the I don't know when I get to heaven. I just don't want to be there. I want to communicate the gospel clearly. I sat down the other day with a, a guy, and I said, hey, we're going we're gonna to pray for our food. Okay. I said, you're going to pray for your food. Oh, Lord, I don't know. I'll pray real well. You, you're the pastor. I'm not real comfortable with that. And I said, well, I'm not real comfortable praying in front of you. So now we're in the same boat. I said, why aren't you comfortable praying? And this happens all the time. I said, why aren't you comfortable praying? 
What it came down to, his honesty was so near and dear to my heart. He said, because, Jordan, I don't pray at all. And I said, okay, here's how, here's how we're going we're gonna to do this. You're going to say, Jesus? He said, Jesus, thanks for the food. Thanks for the food. Amen. Amen. I said, that was the easy first prayer in the book. Now you can go and do it by yourself. <laughs> it's the same with gospel. We're scared to communicate the gospel because we haven't communicated the gospel. This starts, a good place is with a Christian brother or sister. You should go up to somebody. Jeff Sproman does this with her volunteers uh, on uh, children's ministry. She says, what's the gospel? It gives them a chance to communicate it back to them. Go up to somebody who's a Christian today at lunch and go, hey, what's the gospel? See what they say. Ask because you're curious, too. It's amazing what people will say when you ask them, have they accepted the gospel? One-minute version of your testimony, five-minute version of your testimony, 30-minute version of your testimony. Never give somebody a 30-minute version of your testimony when they're asking for the one-minute version. <laughs> they just leave. Your tongue can serve no better function in life than that of faithfully, consistently communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. Enough on that. Third one. Another thing I wish the church would grasp hold of. You gotta laugh. Man, you gotta laugh. The five beneficial uses of the tongue. Give wise counsel, reproof, and rebuke. Give words of encouragement, share the gospel, and for the love of all that's holy, would you please laugh? Please? Oh, man. There's nothing better than laughter is good medicine. God is the author and the creator of humor. Above all other things, he knows. This is the point you guys are going to remember this morning. I know it. Above all other things, he knows a joyful heart can make a cheerful face. We know that we're not talking about foolish jokes but well-chosen, properly-timed expressions of wit, funny statements. My dad's the king of this. He'll come up to somebody who's married and say, how long have you been here? He'll say, 35 years. 35 years? I steal this all the time. How many were happy? <laughs> and then they, they chuckle, right? He just broke down a huge wall. If you've ever uh, had the opportunity, um, my dad will go into a hospital room. And it's so funny. I remember the last time I walked into a hospital room with him. He had to make a visit. I said, Dad, I'd love to see how you make hospital visits. Do you mind if I tag along with you? He said, that's fine. He says, I guess... Yeah, that's okay. Okay, get in the bed. So we go to the hospital room. He walks in. He goes. He, he opens up the door. This guy that he was visiting had wires and tubes all around him. He says, Jack, you look terrible. <laughs> it was so funny because the guy's face just lit up and he said, Mr. Muck. Right? He already knew it. Like, he already knew he was in a bad place. Dad sat down next to him, and he proceeded to tell him the five worst jokes I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> he sat down on his bed. I'll give you one. He said, did you hear about the woodcutter that backed into his saw? He got a little behind in his work. <laughs> and I sat down on the chair, and I just watched the master at work. And the guy looked at me, and I said, don't look at me. I've heard all these a million times. <laughs> but to laugh, not foolish. Poorly choosing who we are. But to laugh, man, Christians need to laugh. A leader who refuses to laugh is not a leader. A sense of humor is needed, especially in times of tense, stressful, and heated times. Why are we so quick to forget about laughter? I never know. There's nothing better to sit down with somebody and to laugh as we're talking about Jesus. Did you know that God is the inventor of humor? Jesus had to be the funniest guy that you ever met. I can just see him walking with his 12 disciples and him just talking 
and getting them to have a cheerful face. Encouraging their hearts. I mean, these guys sold their homes for him. They left everything that was comfortable for them. And they left so many things to follow Jesus. And I think God constantly just encouraged their hearts. I think they played hard and they laughed hard. How do you measure up? Have you become so serious that you can no longer enjoy yourself and others? I pray that God would loosen you up a little bit. It's fun. Life is fun. God's given you life to enjoy it. There's so many things that we can do. <clears throat> three things right now. I'm going to give you three applications real quick. First of all, <clears throat> read. James chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. <clears throat> if you want to go there, you can. I'm going to go there right now. James chapter 3. James chapter 3 says, <clears throat> Not many of you, <clears throat> James 3, 1 through 12, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with great strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to also brindle his whole body. If we put bits into mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a very small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, straining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast, every bird, every reptile, every sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. You can only do it with the grace of God. It is a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. Proverbs chapter 6 says it's liar. From the same mouth comes blessings and cursings. My brother, these things ought not to be so. Number 11 is so huge. There's a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Read James chapter 3, 1 through 12, at least three times a week. Slowly, I would read it aloud. Ask the Lord to take full control of your tongue. Every morning when you wake up, God would take full control of my tongue. If you mean it, you won't regret it, I promise. Third thing, second thing, list. Make a list of two ways that you could use your tongue in a more helpful manner. I'll give you one. You can encourage. Encourage, encourage, encourage. Make a list of two ways you can use your tongue in a more helpful manner. If you're having a hard time coming up with something, ask your spouse. They'll help. Okay? Three. Laugh, man. Laugh. Work on improving your sense of humor. Are you testy or tedious or negative or burnout? Burnout robs us of our humor and the ability to laugh. You gotta stop. Take some time out. And I walk upstairs. Gianna comes running up to me. She says, Dad, would you like to play a game? I would. Absolutely. She goes downstairs. She gets pretty, pretty princess. Oh, man. It's a tough game. You wanna know why? Because you gotta dress up like a princess. <laughs> so we're playing pretty, pretty princess. Spinning around. Gianna looks at me. As we're sitting on the floor. She says, Dad, you're wearing earrings. I 
forgive Jenna sometimes. You just got to do those things. And she thought it was so funny that I had a necklace on my earring, and we're just sitting there laughing together. And I thought to myself, this is life. This is what it's supposed to be like. It's, it's loving one another. It's laughter. It's being in fellowship with one another. It's good. Real fellowship, church fellowship, is like this. Five beneficial uses of the tongue. Give wise counsel. Rebuke, rebuke and reprove. Give words of encouragement. Share the gospel. And laugh. Remember, the gospel is always, always, always. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.